Welcome, friends. Welcome back to the non-traditional podcast. We out here. We are still here, yep. believe it or not. Episode three Ooh. is here. Jen, how's your week been? Um, good. I wear wigs now. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I wear wigs. <laughs> or I I'm sorry. Have, I should For- have wigs. <laughs> For the listener, we record our podcasts on Zoom, and as Jen is saying she wears wigs, she's clearly not wearing a wig, so I'm like, what? Yeah, in the general sense of the, you know, the statement, I, I am someone who is known to wear a wig. Okay, please explain more. Is this new? This is new, um, but I can't tell you any more than that, so just, but you just, you, had, you had asked how my week was, and so... I wanted to let the people know that um, I do own and frequent a wig. I'm just saying that that's a little too much of a tease. Like you can't just say like, oh, I wear wigs now. And then it's like, tune in next week. <laughs> that's exactly it. And, and, and really do stay tuned, folks, to all the social medias because you're really in for a treat. Okay, fine. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it go. Okay, how was your week? How was my week? What was this week? This was like a. This was a busy week. This was one of the weeks where on Monday I was like, "Is it Saturday yet?" (laughs) (laughs) So it was a very busy week. Um, Has been a very busy week so far. Um, A lot of random work stuff. I don't think I haven't really done anything fun. Tell me how somebody that ain't got no job says a lot of random work stuff. That I would like somebody to explain that to me. But it's like Friday. How you get fired on your day off? (laughs) I mean first of all this podcast is my job. Hello. How dare you this (laughs) podcast podcast, full time podcaster. That's my job now. Mm -hmm. Um so I've been doing a lot of that but you know, I think the highlight of this week was this episode uh-huh. that we're about to share with you. Uh-huh. Um, do you, Jen, do you want to tell our, our audience what we did this week? <laughs> oh my God. What a great episode. Y'all, this week we interviewed Allison Roman. Chef you heard that right. Cookbook author and friend of the pod, Allison Roman. <laughs> we can actually say that. Alison Roman, friend of the pod, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Alison, you know, she has a couple of cookbooks. She wrote the uh, cookbook, Nothing Fancy and Dining In. She also has a popular segment on YouTube at the, uh, the New York Times cooking section. She's done a few great recipes. My personal favorite is the cauliflower pasta. I make you it make for me. I make it all the time. It's oh, like, it's man. my go-to. Well, well I, now I don't feel special because I had thought that <laughs> that was the first and only time you made that. So let's run it back. <laughs> let's run it back. I only make the cauliflower pasta when I'm having dinner with Jen. No. You know, it's no, like for such real. a special dish. <laughs> <laughs> right. This was such a great episode. I think that um, we were both really geeked to talk to her and she was so sweet and really candid, to be honest, um, which I know she's known to do, but we are, um, we talked a lot about uh, scarcity culture and how that can affect you in the industry. And, you know, when you really get to talk to somebody one-on-one or face-to-face, quote unquote, on Zoom, um, you get to know them as a person and not just their actions. And it was really great to kind of like dig in with her. What, what did you think? No, same, same. And the thing is, uh, you know, I think we have a different relationship because I follow, I followed Allison longer than you have. Wow. And read me, drag me. 
<laughs> Nothing personal. I'm just saying that I'm the super fan, you know? <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like I followed her for a while. Um, things that drew me to her were not her cooking at first, but her personality. Like she just seemed like such... She seemed like every girl like would walk by in Brooklyn or friends of mine. She seemed so down to earth. I really loved her nail polish. Like these are the little things that drew me to her first. And she just happened to have baller recipes. I was like, wow, two for one. You know what I mean? So um, it was really great to finally talk to her in person and have her live up to that idea of what you think she is. She is actually a very, you know, lovely, thoughtful person who's funny and, you know, irreverent sometimes and just, you know, like I'll a cool chick. Down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I think you guys will really love it too. So let's jump in. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the non-traditional podcast. We start the podcast the same way. What was your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? My earliest memory of what I thought I wanted to be was definitely a veterinarian. And that was, I think, before I understood that there was a medical component <laughs> to it. I thought it just meant you got to hang out with animals and take care of them. That was definitely like the path that I thought I was going to go on. And once I realized that it was essentially like going to medical school, I was like, I don't know that that's for me. Um, but yeah, that was probably the first iteration of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, once you realized the medical component and you were like, nah, did you have the next thing? Like what you thought, okay, I need to pay rent. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So basically I, like for context, like in high school, it was, I hated high school. I didn't have a great experience. Um, anyone who says that they had the best high school experience, I don't trust them as an adult. I'm like, no, no, something, no, it's not right. Basically, I sort of only was interested in going to college once I thought my friends were going to college, once I realized everybody was leaving. Then I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to college. And my parents were like, okay, well, maybe you go to, you stay close to home first for the first two years and then transfer if you really want to go. Right. Because at first I was like, I don't really want to go. And career things were always more intriguing to me than, say, college things like I I really wanted a job like I wanted to like go to work so I was in college I was I was in school um I was studying like my my classes were hilariously all over the place it was like creative writing and eastern religion and jazz history and like political science and like none of the things that I that came together right yeah um but so and when I was away for school I started cooking a lot um for myself just to feed myself and then I started reading cookbooks a lot and kind of just found myself like very jazzed by that idea that I could spend my time not just learning but also like making something that I could eat and also being creatively fulfilled so probably I was I was around 18 when I kind of had those two things click for me of if I'm going to spend my time doing something, I'm not afraid of doing the hard work, but I really want to be fulfilled by it, which is like a very spoiled attitude, I guess. But I was just like, oh, no, I'll work hard, but I just want to make sure that I'm like really enjoying it. Right. But I mean, that is the dream. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. If you want that, it's not spoiled. Now, explain to me how a recipe goes viral. Like, there's got to be something more you're bringing to the table here. Like, that's special about you that we we see. I know, Anastasia, one of the first times we actually talked about making this podcast, she made me your cauliflower pasta. 
And um, <laughs> so, like, I get it from, like, a taste level, but I'm wondering how it just blows up like that. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that recently, um, you know, how things become popular in that way in general. Um, I think part of it is, like, me living alone and being glued to my phone and being like, oh, I'm going to, like, promote the hell out of this. But I also just think that there is something nice about making something that works and that tastes good and you feel proud of, right? Like there's not, the picture looks the same as your dish. It tastes how you want it to. You didn't spend a million dollars. You could like buy all the ingredients at like your corner store. Like it just feels easier. And I think that that makes something more accessible. Like the more accessible something is, I think it increases the odds of being popular. Um, Mm. But yeah, I, I feel like I spent a disordinate amount of time thinking about like, okay, well, what is it about these recipes? Because otherwise, like, I can't try to do it. Otherwise, it never works. Um, right. But I do think it's also like, yeah, the more popular I become in whatever regard, like the more popular recipe will become. And, you know, people are like, oh, like what changed about your recipes that now they're becoming popular? And I was like, nothing. Yeah. My recipes five years ago were also really good, but no one knew who I was. So, um, Nobody knew me. Yeah. yeah. And then when you're, when you're like cooking for, when you're filming cooking, how much downtime are we talking here? Like, you, are you like chopping up with the camera guy? You're like dropping noodles on the floor. Like what, what's that look like? It is like very, what you see is what you get. Um, okay. I mean, obviously they do a lovely job editing of like some of the things, but you know, if I mess up on camera, it's actually important to me that they don't edit that out because I, mm. and, and sometimes they do just for timing and like, it doesn't make sense logistically, but there's like one one video where I was like hearing short ribs or something and I walked away from the camera to go do something else and came back and they were like very dark, like burned basically, which, which I actually don't mind. Like I kind of love like very well done on the outside. Like a crispy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like give me the crispy bits on the outside, even if it's like a little over, who cares? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, let's like make sure we leave this in because I want people to know at home that if they do that, that they're not like panicking or throwing away at this expensive meat that they're mm. like, oh, you know what? It'll actually be fine. It's going to get braised for a really long time in the oven. You won't be able to tell visually and it's not going to impact the taste. So we're going to, we're going to yeah. move on, you know? Um, but yeah, it's like very much like they show up, we start cooking, they film the whole thing and that's it. And then we eat it. And so those days are very heavy and on like the snacking. And I feel like, you know, my aunt in New Jersey, who's like shoving me out the door with containers of food every time I visit, where she's like, take all this food. I'm like, I, where am I going to put it? But I, my refrigerator is microscopic and I simply can't like stash four dinners worth of food in there at one time. So either we eat it or I send it home with people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. nice. I mean, you've kind of talked about this a little bit, but I feel like what draws people to your style of cooking is the accessibility of it. You just seem like, oh, she's my friend and she's making a dish. So let's cook it. Because I remember one of my favorite, favorite videos that you put up on Instagram wasn't even a recipe that you did. But remember when the Popeye sandwich was the chicken sandwich was like the thing? Yes. And by and the way, this is the second time I've talked about that sandwich today. Just so you know. I literally was just talking about it. So, yes, go ahead. You had that, like, little review with the guy on the stoop. And I was like, but this is what I would do. I would be sitting on my stoop with my buddy, like, reviewing a chicken sandwich. So I think... From Popeyes. From Popeyes. But is that something you actively try to do in not only your cooking videos, your recipes, your cookbooks, to make it accessible and to almost put a lot of 
what your personality is into recipes and videos? Yeah, I think that it goes back to that person who was 18 that was like, I don't want to do it if it can't excite me or bring me joy. And I feel like I noticed a lot of like for me as a consumer of recipes or cookbooks or food media, like I kind of saw, I didn't see anyone like me or I couldn't relate to them or I felt like it was too serious or too precious or too fussy. And I felt like that was really alienating to a lot of people. Um, It made them feel like, well, I can't cook. Like you're a professional, you can cook, but I can't cook. And it was like this whole chef culture where it was like chefs are the professionals and everyone else is an amateur and like, here's how to do it like a pro. And I felt like while people were getting excited about food, I don't really feel like their confidence was increasing about them making it themselves, which is really important to me. And because of like the trajectory, it kind of just, it feels like it happened really quickly, but it didn't. Like this has been, I've been doing this for like 15 years. So it's been just like, a, in my opinion, like a pretty slow and steady build. And I think that just being myself every step of the way, like it never occurred to me to not be that way. Right. I mm-hmm. like it wouldn't feel right to me and like that's for better or for worse I think that authenticity is is a gift and is one of the only things that can set you apart especially now when when content is like capital C content and everybody is is you know fighting for the attention and the you know cauliflower pasta is great but like I'm probably not the first person to combine those ingredients or like talk about how good cauliflower is with cream or whatever but like I think a lot of it is connecting and by being yourself and right. that doesn't mean I'm for everyone. Cause I'm definitely not, but I feel like that's just like regular life, right? Like you find your people, of you course. find the people you connect with and Yeah. Also yeah. that pop, the guy that I ate the Popeye sandwich with, I like yeah. did that video with him. He turned out to be like a very famous bike messenger and I had no idea. Everyone's oh. like, Oh my God, I know that guy. Wait, there are famous bike messengers. Yeah. I guess in New York, there's like a bike messenger scene and there's some people that's that such I've, a hipster. Thing. Oh it my was god! Hilarious. I was like, "Oh my god, you are way more famous than I have an idea." Um, <laughs> there yeah, we go. Awesome. I have to look him up. <laughs> to go back a little bit, I just want to mm-hmm. like get through your career trajectory. You go to college. You really love cooking and doing that. Did you finish college, or did you go into a job? I did not. So I was doing classes I I went to I moved to Santa Cruz for a while after I was in Santa Monica doing classes there and then decided to move back to LA like two years into school and was going to move back to LA um get an apartment get a job and well the original plan was actually to go to culinary school so I was going to drop out of college to go to culinary school which felt like a more even trade but I went to speak to one of the chefs at the restaurant that I wanted to work at. And I said, Hey, I'd love to work part time for you when I'm not in school, but I'm going to culinary school. And he's like, I'll save you the 40 grand and like suggest that you don't go. Like I can teach you as much as I can teach you. And you know, that person when I tried to go to college. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cause he was very real with me and he's like, most people, also he like looked at me and I was like this 19 year old lady knocking on the back of the door just being like I want to work in a restaurant he's like okay because working in restaurants is hard and you know I think that most people that go to culinary school spend the $40,000 now it's even more I'm sure they enter into a job that pays them $7 an hour at the time and it takes them three years to climb up the ranks to like make a decent living and it's really hard work it's really long hours it's pretty brutal and 
I think most people are like, wow, I wish I had known. So it wasn't like he was saying, don't ever go, but it would behoove you to, to come check out the restaurant scene and see if it's even something you want. Right. Um, which I thought was really smart. And, you know, I wish that more opportunities existed like that for like job experience before people were like, I'm yeah. committing to this. And then you get there and you're like, whoa, what? No. This what is have I committed it. to? Exactly. Yeah. Like I work um, in the film and television business and I did go to a four-year college and I finished my degree. But once I started working, I realized like I could have just started. I could have, you know, I don't use my degree in any way in my job. And part of me wishes that I could have had the opportunity where someone just says, hey, come on a set and work as a production assistant, don't need to call it, go to college. I mean, I do have to say my college career was very formative. Like I loved it a lot, but there's always that balance where you're sort of like, do, do I need to spend a hundred thousand dollars going to school? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, but that's how much it costs. Yeah. And in my later life, you know, like fast forwarding, I think it became like a huge source of insecurity that I didn't graduate college because mm-hmm. I, wanted to be a writer that was sort of what I when I was going to school I was like okay I could be a writer maybe one day but not like a journalist I don't really know what that meant um but then like now feeling like that is a medium that I use as as part of work I'm I constantly feel like shame for not having gone to school so it's it just kind of there's like a grass is greener and there's like yeah you feel like you didn't you know take a different path to, you know, you spent the money that you shouldn't have or this, that, and the other, or you're like, oh, do I really belong here? I don't have the formal education. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, mm-hmm. you know, always feelings wrapped up in that. But so I, I ended up working at this restaurant and I never, I never went back to school. I didn't go to culinary school and I didn't go back to college um, because I fell into it and I loved it. And I, when I first began cooking, I was very, very, very bad at it. And um like I wasn't like a savant stepping into the kitchen and they're like who's this girl genius like it was very much like who is the person and why is she here she needs to go she's cost us money and time and it's like you know I was causing more work for other people because they would give me a job and I would fuck it up and then someone else would have to do it yeah so you actually may have just answered my my next question (laughs) which is a question that we ask all of our guests which is kind of a time that you failed or outwardly you thought you know, man, I'm really, I'm messing up or I lost this job or whatever. And, and that brought you to the, your current greatness. Like, do you feel like if you hadn't messed up so many dishes that you would be where you are? Or, you know, is it something where you're like, I really had to power through all those like failures? Yeah. I mean, listen, I am like the failing, I, I feel like failing is such a, it's like a naughty word, you know, and I'm trying know, to like rebrand. Um, Yeah, but that is, but it is like such, it has so much weight, right? And I think that like somebody thinks of themselves as a failure, like that's it. That's like the the end of something. And I truly think that like every time that I have felt that I have made an irreversible mistake or done damage to something, be it like spilling 12 quarts of cocoa powder all over the storage room floor and like being scared of, or like, leaving my job to take one that I hated and feeling like I threw my career away or like, you know, embarrassing myself with really stupid comments that I've made publicly. Every time that I have experienced these things, I'm like, the stakes just keep getting higher and higher, right? Like no one knows about the cocoa powder. No one knows how I bad I like that I cried myself to sleep every day because I put this up. But like more recently, everyone knows like when you mess up. And I think that it also, it feels worse, but it is also a better, stronger and more intense opportunity for growth and progress. Like I truly believe that. And 
I think that I can't think of any one moment in my life, even the really bad ones that I felt like I, that I regret having happened. And I think that that's an important perspective to have. And I'm trying to continue that perspective. Yeah. I just being like, it's an opportunity to do things differently. And I think things break for a reason. I think things blow up for a reason. And sometimes you got to burn it, burn it down and it's, you got to start over. I, I think people are, have, there's so much pressure, especially with career and work, especially now to have it all figured out and to like, start your own business and six months later you have like a successful profitable business that you're like thriving in and you're like well wait I just started doing this why why is the expectation that because things move so fast now that there's yeah. no patience yeah you always have to capitalize on the moment <laughs> like you ha- you're in your moment yeah and your your perspective is your perspective is a common thread with we're talking to a lot of people in different industries of varying different successes and it really is a common thread like people do not like that word failure and I'm learning that I'm like because it really isn't if you think about it and you grow enough you fall enough and you grow enough you realize it's not a failure it is an opportunity and as hard as that might be in the moment it truly is and you just have to kind of have that perspective so I appreciate you for showing up for that that moment yeah and I think that I wish that there was more discussion around that topic which is I'm grateful for you guys for having this podcast because it's like you know there's there's like it's like especially with women it's like really wrapped up in shame and like failure to excel and we have one shot and it's like well no we don't we don't have one shot and we don't there's That's scarcity culture. exactly like there's only so much and if I don't like get my piece of it right now then like then what and I think mm-hmm. that that's also like what got me personally into a lot of trouble is that mentality of feeling like I had spent my whole career like climbing to the top and like being the underdog and feeling like the underdog and, that I didn't even realize that I wasn't and that I had like responsibility and like actual power. That's a word right there. Ooh, that's a word. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, it was a timestamp on a that. Time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, like what a, what an amazing opportunity, right. To like right. take something and being like, wow, that, that is not working for me or for anyone. Mm-hmm. And like, let's, something else um why do you I mean you say you started at a restaurant why did you not open a restaurant or become a chef why did you go towards writing which is what you do now you create recipes and you're you uh you have two cookbooks now yeah so I worked in restaurants for, for almost seven years and kind of climbed the ranks did the thing started off in like a windowless room like literally with a paintbrush, putting like a gold piece of thing on like an eclair for eight hours straight. It was hilarious. Mm. And then, you know, was eventually like a sous chef and then a chef and I was writing menus and I was training people and I was a teacher and I was, and it's really challenging. And I, it occurred to me around year five of working in restaurants that I didn't want to own my own restaurant because I kind of saw time after time after time, like what went into that and um, feeling like, I was getting fatigued with the rhythm of feeding people in that way. And it was like, you, you do this like really theatrical, intense physical performance every night and you cooking your heart out and you feed people that you never see your meat. You clean up, mm-hmm. you go home and you do it again the next day. And for a while, it's really addicting because it does almost feel like theater performance, right? You're, you're like, it's like this thing and you, pre- okay, it's almost service time. And then you have like peak service and then you, wind down and it does it feels you with this adrenaline I think people get really addicted to that which is why people like working in restaurants but ultimately I kind of became a little disillusioned with that especially as like a business model seeing how financially that was such a struggle and 
Um, also, I wanted to have a bigger reach. I wanted, I really enjoyed the teaching aspect of cooking. I, like when we got new hires in, I loved to teach them why things are done the way they are, why we do things the way we do here, um, what makes a good this, what makes a bad that, like why you should do X, Y, and Z. Like that to me was always the most fulfilling part. And so it kind of started getting the wheels turning of like maybe a restaurant isn't the best place for me, but surely there's another way that I could remain in food and teach people. And I didn't really have the cookbook cookbook art figured out yet, but that was sort of the first sort of hint of me thinking, okay, this could be something else not working in a restaurant. Because I also was like, I don't also want to work for someone else my whole life. Mm. I watched you cooking with with John Lovett the other day. How, what was that like? I love Oh him. my gosh. Cooking <laughs> is putting it generously. He is so funny. He's like, I don't cook <laughs> at all. And I was like, this should be interesting. And he was not lying. But like, that to me is my greatest joy. And I love doing that. I love the, yeah. like looking in your kitchen and being like, why do you have only plastic spatulas, utensils that you've ne- obviously never used? Like one's in this drawer, one's over here. Like, what is your kitchen? What are you doing here? Um, yeah. And kind of figuring out like how to best encourage them. Like if you have the right tool, you're going to have a better experience cooking. If you put it in the right place, you're going to use it more often. You know, like little things yeah. being like, you don't like cooking because it's a hot mess in there. Or Right. I think that it should be more complicated than it has to be. And oftentimes when I cook with people, especially that are sort of beginners, let's say, and mm-hmm. and we finish a dish, they're like, that's it. I'm like, well, what else? Do you, do you want to do something else? Like, right. We could do some other stuff to it. But like, it's probably pretty delicious the way it is. Um, how surprised you can be when you make something and you're like, oh, I made that, you know, yeah. and without feeling like the stress and the shame of like, you know, people are always like, how do I cut this onion? I'm like, well, you can go like this or like this. And no one's going to inspect the slices. That's the beauty of not working in a restaurant. Because trust me, I had, there was like a period in restaurants where like you cut stuff and it, somebody comes over to literally like look at what you're doing. And if they find something wrong, they'll throw the whole thing out. And then oh, like wow. start over. And you're like. I was never a chef. But I worked in, I was a server for like eight years. So a lot, a lot of details like that. We were like, this is not real life. <laughs> It is not real life. Yeah, when you watch the like restaurants on TV, I'm always like, that's not what's actually going on. Right. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. You did not do your research. <laughs> what is what does cooking look like for you with a partner? Like, are you do you like to cook for somebody, or are you kind of like, hey, like I'm off the clock now. Like you're cooking for me. So I am single, and I sort of had like after cooking for so many people that where it didn't work out or like quickly after I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that for you. You know, it's like, I made sort of a rule that I wouldn't do it anymore until we were like very serious. And now in quarantine, it's obviously very hard to meet people, but intellectually, I know, yeah, it is rough <laughs> over here. Um, I'm like, I can be swiping right now. I guess you can't swipe. You're too famous. No, I, I try, <laughs> but people are like, but somebody was like, oh, I made your, I made your tomato poached fish. And I was like, no, this X, uh, no, that is not going to work for me. I gotta go. I'm like, you've never cooked in your life. Um, Throw the whole phone yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of that lately. But I, I, I think intellectually, I'm like, I want someone to do something for me. I'm off the clock. But I really do think that my, like, part of my love language or the way that I show affection or care is by cooking for people. And if I like you, I want to cook for you. And that includes, right. like, new friends and, like, partners and sex dates and stuff you know where you're like I want I want to like this is how I show that care for you and um 
it's also I realized that a lot of why I started like why I enjoy cooking, especially when you like have people over, so to speak, is because it occupies your brain and your hands in a different way. Like if I had a date over and we just had to like sit on my couch and talk, I would die. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go over with some chicken real quick if you want to watch me do that, because that gives me like a task to do something, and then I feel like there's something we can do after. By that point, there's been some wine, but like the anxiety that I feel when there's just like one other person in my apartment where we have to have a conversation, I want to sink into the floor. I'm crying. That's so good. That is so honest. Yeah. So I think like, like being like people are always like, Oh, you should come in and hang out with us in the other room. I'm like, no, no, I'm in the kitchen. I'm busy. And I think that just gives me, it it gives me something to channel that frenetic energy into. Yeah. So what sort of advice would you give to someone who maybe wants to go down the road of somehow joining in the food industry, be it either work in a restaurant or maybe take a path that you did, create recipes, write recipes, write a cookbook kind of thing? Yeah, I think that it's a really cool time for that right now because there are so many jobs that didn't previously exist in the food space. There are right now. I'm generalizing right now because right now quarantine time is a bit challenging because a lot of the jobs that did exist are not there right now because there's no like photo shoots or video shoots happening. Um, But I think that, you know, cooking as much as possible on your own and for yourself is really important. Um, And something that I do if I feel the need to cook or the desire to do something or to bake, like, and it's because it's just me, I'll bring the food to somebody. Like it doesn't have, you don't have to like be always, you know, like filling your, house with or apartment with stuff but I think that it's just practice and it's like anything mm-hmm. um there are certain things that I still make where every time I make it I consider it a contest with myself there's certain foods where I'm like this like roast chicken pie crust and biscuits are like three things that every time I make I'm like this is going to be the best one that I've ever made and sometimes it's not you know but it still gives me something to work towards like I there's a long list of things that I have not perfected but is exciting for me to keep trying um, and I think doing that will help you sort of define your own cooking style um, because following recipes are great and I think very helpful for people. If you have the creative impulse to kind of create something new or try to, then letting yourself freestyle from those recipes, wander around the supermarket, like things that will kind of jog your inspiration rather than looking at something. Because once you see something, it's very hard to unlearn that which is why I actually don't read that many cookbooks because I get nervous that I'll be too like influenced by something and I want to keep it like pure. Interesting. You know, I think that logistically speaking, you know, finding out the people that you'd want to work with or for depending on your level and reaching out to them, you know, finding out their information, seeing if they have a website, if they have a website, they probably have a contact them, which is likely a better option than the DMs, which can be, packed and crowded and like challenging for people I'm sure you know like just like sorting through that can be like wait did I get that message from someone where is it I can't find it it's it's a mess in there it's it's not Instagram is not built for that type of communication so finding the email of people writing to them um offering to like like can I can we get coffee can we have a zoom date can we whatever I I get reached out. To, you get reached out to. Yeah. And, and I try to meet with them if, I, if they're in New York and if not, we'll have a phone call and just, you know, if there's information that you can get from people that are doing what you want, you should ask them for it. Right. Because 
the resources available that are public are pretty scarce, unfortunately. I am trying to figure out how to do that better for other people in like a more public way, like have resources available and, and make it feel like less of a reach for someone who's just starting out because my path was so weird and windy that it doesn't, that path doesn't probably exist now just in the same way that somebody's starting out now, their path didn't exist when I was their age. So yeah. um, knowing that is also really cool and like not getting frustrated with that. I think like embracing that is really important. And like just the reaching out and you'd be surprised how many people will respond. I have been. Like we just started this. Yeah, we were like, we ain't nobody. <laughs> she called us back. I'm like, all right. We're not calling you back. We were like, Allison Rowan wants to talk to us. Okay. We have 0.0, 0 <laughs> followers. Like I don't right. understand. <laughs> nobody. That's also like, Anywho. I predict the like, I predict like the downfall of social media. I think that people are going to reach a mass like frenzy of they will have had it. And I think yeah. that because of quarantine, that's the only place people are living. And so it was really helpful. And now people are just like, yuck, no, thank you. And I think that focusing right. on other platforms, like having a podcast, like doing these other things is going to prove to be so much more valuable and impactful because it's like, instead of scrolling endlessly on a thing, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to listen to like the five podcasts I'm, I want to listen to. Or I'm going to watch right. like this thing or read this thing. And I don't, I'm hoping anyway, like fingers crossed, but I, I think that like there's too much importance put on social media and there's like this view that if you don't have a ton of followers, that you're never going to make it because who will care? And it's like, right. If yeah. you're doing good work, right. people will find you and they will find the work. I truly believe mm. that. Mm. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Another question we've been asking all of our guests is what does abundance mean to you? Mm. I have also been uh, like reflecting on this a lot because I think that again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I think that I spent so much of my life in my career, like working towards something and feeling like I was really struggling to get it and that it was not enough. And that if I got something, well, that was great. I need the next thing. And like really failing to look around me and, actually appreciate the stuff that I had and like actually appreciate like in often cases a lot of it was abundant and a lot of it is more than I could do with like like more than I than I needed um and I think that and I'm definitely not talking monetarily I'm just talking about resource wise and um like privilege wise and connections wise like I feel because I've been in this for so long that I have so much around me like I think that abundance for me is like has no, it just has nothing to do with money it just doesn't because all I wanted from my career like my whole life when I was like working in restaurants and just starting out in magazines was like I wanted to be able to pay my rent every month without ever dropping my account that was my goal I was never like I want like the, the second home and to like buy an apartment and do all this stuff. like I had no goals other than to just like make it and to like be able to like yeah. go shopping if I wanted to like buy a cute outfit like my they were pretty small <laughs> financially and yeah, you know yeah. like but for me it was always more important to have autonomy to have creativity to have control over that creativity um and to be able to like truly be an authentic version of myself even if that meant less success like that to me was would be like the the best possible case scenario so you are living in abundance right now I really am yeah it's it's like it's been so many like very quick perspective shifts and yeah. like really, and I've also like never not worked. Like I've never taken time off. I'm like always feel like I'm working in right now. And like kind of not, 
And it feels really good because I'm able to pay attention to so much other shit. I'm like reading books that like I didn't have time for before. And I'm like seeing people that I like, that like going to things that are important to me and engaging with people on other issues that are not like media or food related and feeling so much more fulfilled as a person. So I think that that's also important for people pursuing their career to acknowledge that like that can't be it. Yeah. A lot of New Yorkers, especially, I know the world is on pause, but a lot of New Yorkers specifically are like, I'm just glad I don't have to walk up subway stairs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I am missing those steps in my daily like life though. I'm like, oh, I, I looked at my phone. It's like, you took three steps today. And I was like, oh, three steps. Interesting. I don't, I don't miss subway steps. I'll let the record say that I do not miss subway steps. Well, Elsie, you don't know, but you know, we're trying to get Jen oh, to run a marathon, which she is going to. It's, Wait, what? It's what a kind of marathon? No, no marathon. That's what kind of marathon? No, no marathon. You just start running? No, I am not running anywhere. They, they're. This is sabotage. We this so you. We have released two episodes, just so you know a little bit about this little baby podcast. We've released two episodes, but somehow I said something random about a marathon and now it's taken flight and it's so ridiculous. Social media is out of control. I think that you should. So my friends won't. Re- oh, stop. See, Allison says you should run a marathon. 5K is like three yes! miles, I just learned. Yes. What did I say, Jen? What did I say, Jen? I'm like, we should run a 5K. 5K. <laughs> if you guys run the, a 5K, if we find one that happens in a time that we can do, I will do it with you. No questions asked. You know you're on, you're on record. Yeah, you're being recorded. I, started, right? I like, started, started running. I like will run two miles like walking half the time. But like that said, <laughs> though, I felt so proud of myself. Right. Well, I guys, uh, I, I have a very, very short term memory. So, you know, we're, I'll forget <laughs> all of this as soon as all I'm but, saying is that now we have Allison Roman on board running. A we're, gonna, we're doing a 5k. We have like five years to train because who knows when they're going to allow us to do that again. So this is not like tomorrow. Stop True. it. Right. Stop it. The aliens are totally coming next month. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> That's where we're at in 2020. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Allison, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you so much. Thank you for starting this pod. And can't wait to watch the baby pod grow into a big star pod. Guys, so Allison Roman is running a 5K with us. Let's move forward immediately. Let's go. Let's just like run past this. <laughs> no I just want to say that the only thing I took from that interview was that Allison Roman was going to run a 5K with us. She played me. She played me. She dug in and said she's going to do it with us. So now I have to do it, which is ridiculous. And did you know we have a hashtag now? We have a hashtag? We have a hashtag. What is it? Hashtag Munzathon. I can't. Who did that? Was that Sarah? That was Sarah. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, for dropping in. And if you want to know exactly how to spell it and everything, I'm going to drop it in the show notes. But we have a hashtag, people. Sarah is my oldest friend. And I do mean old. Like, she is old. So she don't know what she's talking about. And she doesn't even know how to make a hashtag. So let's go past that. Um, but Sarah, I'd like to apologize on Jen's behalf. <laughs> this was such a great episode. Um, man, I really, you know what? I don't want to gas myself, but that abundance question is on point, not because of me, but because of the answers that our guests have given. I've been so inspired every time. And 
there is definitely a common thread uh, in our guests and like what abundance means. So hopefully you guys kind of grabbed from that. But I really do get geeked on that because um, it just is so important to me to know what makes people feel like they have a full life. Um, it helps inspire me and, and find out what I might want to have an abundant life. So shout out to um, Allison and how she kind of just like, mm, nails. Exactly. I, you know, and it's, I also have, we also have a constant thread with the failure answer. Mm-hmm. We do, we do. And it, you know, it, it's so interesting because we have talked to different people in different industries that you wouldn't think cross paths or would have the same sort of answer to that sort of question, but it's really nice to see how they treat failure and how maybe we can take from that where failure is probably not, you know, it's definitely not the end of the road. Mm -hmm. It can actually be just the beginning, you know? And it's strange. None of these guests, as far as we know, none of them know each other and they have such similar answers um, to their unique experiences. And it really is inspiring because I'm getting old now too, like Sarah. And um, I, wow. Wow. (laughs) I have also been learning that, um, you know, I'm looking back on some of those first, some of the first job I was ever laid off from. And I'm thinking like, I, I literally left New York city. I was so devastated. Um, meanwhile, that company dissolved within like six months. So it wasn't about me, but I was so no. And those are the kind of things where if you do choose to look at that as an opportunity instead of a failure, you can really thrive. And um, where were these people uh, 10, 15 years ago? Because I needed help. You know, it, and we're making but we have them. N- <laughs> <laughs> but we have them now. You know, we have them now. This is the reason why we created this podcast. So we can, you know, listen to them and pick their brain and learn from them. So I hope you're learning from them, our audience, our friends. And yeah, we did not get any questions this week. Mm. But again, if you have any questions for us, if you want to know more about our methods, how we interview our guests, if you know what pajamas Anastasia is wearing right now while we film the pod, then I'll let you know. Should I take a screenshot? I'm going to take a screenshot because I haven't called you out yet. And I really wanted to say something for like an hour. I am so hurt. They're really Sarah. They're really cute. Sarah. I feel your pain, Sarah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine being my best friend for 20 years? No, actually (laughs) I cannot. Why would you do that? You actually took a photo. Yeah. Cause you're so cute. Oh, I can't wait to post this on the Instagram. You best <laughs> not. It would actually literally kill me. I, I would come to your house. In the coronavirus, you know what? Well, I would come to your house. You'd burn my whole computer. <laughs> this has been such a fun week, and I'm, I'm so proud of us. So uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed. Please ask questions. Hit us up on Instagram. Email us. Sign up for our newsletter. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Non-traditional is produced and edited by me, Anastasia. And our theme song is Wildfire by Esabalu, and you can find it wherever you purchase music. You can find us on Instagram at non, that's N-O-N-E, underscore traditional, and Twitter at TraditionalPod. Subscribe to our newsletter on our website and keep up to date on all things non-traditional. Ooh.